This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for episode 366 of this show, two adults who suddenly have superpowers thanks to their friend, me, resurrecting them from the dead, Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Renee Rodriguez. Yar. Thank you both for joining me this week. I am so very excited to talk about comic books with the both of you because we have one of the most insane like episode topics to talk about today, all about the Riverdale TV show. So by the way, spoilers are coming. But before we get into that, let's talk about comic books like we always do. I've got two legally mandated questions that I need to ask you, and that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. I've been good. Just, you know, doing it up. And uh, comics are always good, so or, or manga, I guess, in my case, because I yeah. mainly read manga. Um, I decided to uh, start rereading Bakuman, which is a thing I do fairly regularly. Uh, Bakuman is a story by Sugumi Oba and art by Takeshi Obata. This is the same creative team that did Death Note and Platinum End. Um, Bakuman was their second series, and it's all about manga creators or mangaka, if... Uh, if you prefer um i didn't i don't have the number of chapters or arcs that i read through because i since i've reread this series so often i just kind of pick and choose now what i feel like rereading right right. um but it's i i did kind of start from the beginning and was like oh no there's all this problematic stuff in there and i apologize to anyone i have uh recommended this book to without being like hey it's pretty misogynistic so apologies on that front. Um, and I just kind of had to power through that or skip chapters altogether mm-hmm. uh, to focus on the the beauty and and uh, you know feeling of of writing and and friendly rivalry, um, which was my the main reason that I like that series. But it's been an interesting reread. But again, I don't remember how many chapters or how many arcs. It was a lot. Um, yeah, it's like 20 volumes or something for that whole series. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty short yeah. series, but I, yeah. I I don't remember how much I've read in the past couple weeks. It's Oh, oh I see. I it's see. been more than three arcs. So, OK, OK. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I read. Hey, man, you know, Bakuman is one of those manga that I, I totally agree with. I read this, I think, in like 2016 or something like that. And I remember being like, yikes, this book. And then it, it kind of gets rid of all of those tropes in order to tell the story about like just creating manga, the co- the competitive aspect of, the, of storytelling and stuff. And of course, it, it has those bits and pieces of the like, we can be together once we fulfill our dreams, which is like <laughs> the funniest thing in the world to me. But yeah, that that first arc or two or first volume or two is it's got some rough stuff in it in order to get to the actual meat of the story which is far more interesting than the traditional like tropes of the 2008 ish 2009 ish era of manga right yeah when I, I remember rereading um the first like couple chapters and i i remember very clearly being like oh right sugumi oba did create light from death note and light is a psychopath uh, and it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, they, they also like talk about death note a lot in this cause it kind of yeah. be like, Hey, remember that big series that ran a couple of years ago? Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I bet those guys are pretty cool. Oh my God. Um, which Takeshi Obata is cool. He also did the art for Hikaru no Go. Um, mm-hmm. but like it, it, it was really, it's really weird, uh, going back there. And I'm like, when I first read this series, I think I was 19. Sure. Sure. And like, I think, cause I think it ended in 2011. I think it ran from 2009, 2011. And it was just, it's very weird going back, but like the parts that I really like about it are the, the way that some of the editors who come off as like skis balls ends up, end up being 
like really passionate about writing and their writers and stuff like that. Like they introduced mm-hmm. this character, I think his name's Yamahisa. And you're like, this guy is a skis. He's a slime ball. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. And then like three or four chapters later, he's like breaking down in tears, be it like, cause he's helped this author come out of his shell. And like he, this re- author has realized that he has a passion for creating manga and he's, and he's crying to himself. He's like, don't you worry. I'm making you the best manga creator <laughs> you know, in the country. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh man, that's a, that's emotional. And there's so many good lines in Bakuman that I really love. And again, like I read it because it's, it, you know, you become passionate about reading and making comics, which I think we all Mm -hmm. have uh, at least a a soft spot for obviously. Totally. The the thing that always got me about that series is it's, you know, it, it clearly spends all of its time kind of talking you through how manga gets created, how it gets, how words work, how all these other things work through the narrative of the story. But you do bring up an interesting point that one of the things that they do touch on is the importance of a good editor. And I think at one point in the series, they, they switch editors or something because they just aren't jiving with someone. And then they move to a different editor telling the same story. And it turns out it works way better for them. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing that maybe we as comic book readers don't think about very often is how important a good editor when it comes to manga series, when it comes to big two comics can be to a series, right? I think we've all heard of various slumps in very, you know, Marvel or DC, like quadrants or sections of those publishing houses and going, why were all of these books bad, even when they had great creators on them? And it's like a lot of the times you can start to point things up to like an editor or two who just was not jiving with that department at the time. Um, And I I find that to be really interesting that Bakuman spends time focusing on that, at least in little pieces and parts throughout the series, because of how important it actually is in terms of not just creating a good manga, but like getting it out there and making sure that it's going to work well for readers or that getting that outside perspective in order to craft the story to be a more acceptable thing so it's not too wild and out there for everyday readers yeah i don't know i I really like this series too so i'm like obviously very passionate (laughs) about it despite it's it's maybe opening problems right yeah and and that's one of the things that i like about it too is it it does do the it has a lot of conversations about editors as well as popularity and like what authors should be doing and like when's a good time to to like end your series as well as like why popular series like sort of end and it, it has all that sort of background information. It even talks about the way that like um, Shonen Jump does its contracts with its authors and things like mm-hmm. that. So it was mm-hmm. a lot of like behind the curtain stuff, uh, which was something that hadn't been that readily available at the time that it came out. So it was kind of like this big deal and seeing all these other things like, you know, happen, all these big discussions, because they also do get into like theory of like what ma- manga writers should be looking to write and you know, is, is manga art? Is it, you know, a consumer product, you know, all these different things, you know, and they even talk about uh, magazines outside of jump. And like you said, they have, they switch editors a couple times and there's mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. even a, a uh, multiple villain arc where this character is trying to basically bring down Shonen jump. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a really like, it's kind of goofy when you think about it, but at the same yeah. time, like the fact that it, it, and like they, they create a series within this series that is basically like being like, oh yeah, we're using all of these elements to show you why this is an interesting story. And those same elements are showing up in the character, like in the manga that you're mm-hmm. reading. So you're like, yeah. oh, oh, see, I see what you did there. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's a very fun read. Yeah. But I'm not going to say it doesn't have its problems because it very clearly does. And like even though most of those get 
they become less as the series goes on. They don't f- totally disappear. Yeah. So I would say, you know, to, to anyone who wants to read Bakuman, I would say, you know, obviously be just be aware that there are those issues in it. And yeah, I mean, I guess I, <laughs> I, I, I hope you, you, you read it and, you know, if you don't like it, that's totally fine. And I totally get it because again, those problems do exist. And, you know, it's based off uh, like, like I continue to read it because of the headspace I was in when I read it when I was young. And I, there's still the parts of it that I still love. Oh, sure. And again, I skip down whole chapters instead of rereading the whole thing. Yeah. Brian, Brian had a good quote in the discord chat of, I know how it looks, but hear me out. <laughs> yeah. That, <literally laughs> Which is the whole thing. Whole thing. Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, cool. I'm glad you're enjoying your your bits and pieces of rereading that because um, I've, I've been meaning to revisit it myself, and I'm glad to hear that the good stuff still holds up, um, even if the the not-so-good stuff uh, is still not so good. <laughs> uh, Kara, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? What have you been reading? Well, Mike, I've been having a real, real moment uh, considering the topic of gatekeeping in fandom. <gasps> and as, as you know, I detest gatekeeping in fandom i think Mm -hmm. if you like the thing you should be allowed to like the thing on whatever level that you want to like the thing and if you like something you should want more people to like the thing so that they keep making the thing that said i have realized that the person that i've been gatekeeping is myself so (gasps) that's really what a uh, twist a really rough (laughs) realization to come to i'm just having like a come to jesus moment with myself about the nature of (laughs) fandom and where i fit into it because Uh uh so uh my my specific example that brought on this revelation but i realized it does apply to several things is i might be a swifty and (laughs) so like i i have been uh, as long as um many millennial women and gen z women and men and non-binary pals as taylor said in her opening night concert um been just mainlining taylor swift's eras tour content because Mm. we're at a point with social media and camera phones where you can take like absurdly high quality video from within a concert space and since this is like the concert of the year everyone who's been at the show so far has just been posting all these content. Like I'm not on TikTok, but Tia tells me that that is TikTok right now. And one of my yeah. one of my coworkers confirmed this. Or like I'm just on Instagram. This girl that I follow on Instagram is going to at least seven Eras Tour shows. And I'm like, where are you getting this money? Where like she's she was like at the opening two nights in the front or second row in Arizona. And she's at Vegas. She's going to Nashville and she's going to LA. And I'm like, ma'am, how rich are you? (laughs) And also I couldn't even get tickets. How do you have at least seven? This is why we should never believe influencers. Okay. Like they're, it's all bullshit. They're not real people. They're, they're doing things (laughs) like, no, anyway. So, so (laughs) I was realizing like, I've just been like listening to Taylor Swift. I'm wearing a Taylor Swift sweatshirt right now while recording that i was influenced into buying because i saw these like i find the cottage industries that spring up around fandoms to be so fascinating like i got more into this kind of during the pandemic when i was like deep in my disney parks phase where i was finding out like all these people who are like screen printing t-shirts in their garage or like 
making like making all this like Disney related content and they're like small enough where the corporate lawyers don't come for them. And there's like, (laughs) you you can get anything. You can get like nail stickers and hair clips and like shirts and totes and sweat, like anything you want. I get, I buy 3d printed Mickey ears (laughs) personally. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so I realized these last few days while I've been like deep in this Taylor Swift section of the internet, that there's also like, taylor swift cottage industry stuff like yeah nail decals and hair clips and sweatshirts so um anyway so while like consuming this much taylor swift uh, content and realizing that like you know i've always known that i've had a few favorite albums i've been listening to her pretty consistently since speak now came out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and but like i don't consider myself a swifty because to me the swifties are the people who are like analyzing her liner notes for clues on what the next album is going to be. And I'm like, but I like her stuff and a lot of her songs have meaning for me. So I probably should call myself a Swifty, even though I'm not on the like analyzing the liner notes level of the fandom, but like, anyway, so then I realized that I've been applying all, all these other like rules to myself where fandom is Mm. concerned. Like I don't consider myself a Whovian, even though I watched, all of Doctor Who's Doctors 9, 10, 11, and 12 because mm-hmm. I can't like I don't like know the like backstory and the lore and like the fan theories about this and I couldn't tell you like what happened on which specific episode. Sure. Um, or like I just started watching Star Trek the original series. I got Paramount Plus to watch Twin Peaks and then I was like, well, Star Trek is on here, so I should probably yeah. like get back into that. But I don't Did Nick cons- force you into this. No, but I, like, oh, OK, OK. <laughs> but like, I don't consider myself a Trekkie, even though like I do love Star Trek. I just don't have comprehensive knowledge of Star Trek. So anyway, this has been sure, my, sure, like sure. this has been my moment of revelation. Um, comic book related news. I moved recently and moving is awful, but having a space that you like is great. And in the process of moving all my books and then rearranging them in a new space, I was able to like, you know, when you like have your bookcases set up and you just don't touch them for like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an opportunity for me to be like, how do I really want my books to be sorted? Yes. So I started assembling like all my comic books, like, like trades and actual books. Yeah. On the bookcase that I brought with me. It's like the whole bookcase. I hadn't realized this because my books were like <laughs> scattered around like my parents' house in like several uh-huh. different bookcases. But now that they're consolidated, I'm like, I feel like I should be a little embarrassed, but also I feel like there should be more. But I did do like a I did do a purge a few years ago. But like sure. And I've got gaps in my comic book bookcase because like I'm slowly getting the Sailor Moon Eternal editions. Hell and yes. I've got like one more book to get in the Hellboy Library Edition collection. Yes. And I got the Giant Days Kickstarter stuff. So I've got like a gap Dude, in same. the shelf where I'm just like, I, give me I those a, books. I have a spot in my shelf yeah. just waiting for those books. <laughs> I'm just waiting for them. Um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, I had I had a really busy week, so I didn't really have the mental energy to dive into a comic book that was like plot heavy in any way. Listen, Kara, the, here's the thing. Here you go. You're setting up a I'm rule for yourself. Rules did you for hear myself. Did you hear yourself? Ugh. You here's the thing. I I want to spend all this time talking about what it means to be a fan of things, but we have other things to get to today. I know. We can make all it I'm a saying is topic. that like 
those people that are out there who are like can pit, they are one in a bajillion and 90% of people are not that 99% of people are not that we should not be holding ourselves to the standard of like what we expect people to be i consider myself a pretty big manga fan and i only read like a dozen books right and there are people online who are just like here are the latest 47 books that came out from uh, biz and kadancha and it's like no i realized i did like, the- I do the same thing about Marvel. I'm like, well, I'm not really a Marvel fan as I stare at the like 10 Marvel books that I own on my bookcase and having read like every Marvel thing that people recommend to me. Like I do read it anyway. um, Old mantra of this show used to be if you've read one comic or you've read a thousand, you are welcome here because we are all comic book fans. So I'm just saying. Don't put this I'm welcome. yourself. <laughs> you are welcome, Kara. Thank you. If, if you've been on this show for eight years, it's not proof. You are welcome. <laughs> okay, okay. So what I did read this week is called Cat Cafe by Matt Tarpley. And Hell yes. this was like, I guess it's like a web... I found this on Hoopla. I guess it's like a webcomic or the book is like based off the webcomic. Unclear. But the point is... <laughs> It's listed as a children's book, but like many children's books, I would consider this to be all ages. It is a very wholesome book about a cat that runs a cafe, hence Cat Cafe. And this cat <laughs> serves coffee to the different animals that come in to the to the cafe. So, you know, it, you get like these little um, minimal or low uh, dialogue bubble like little one or two page stories where the cat is serving coffee to like the mouse. And so he's like struggling to pour the coffee. So it's just one drop in the little mouse sized cup or like my favorite character so far is this penguin that keeps trying to like scam more coffee out of the cat cafe. So like the cat's pouring coffee into the coffee cup and it's like the cup is not filling up. So the cat checks under the table and the penguin has like drilled a hole in the table and there's like a bucket <laughs> that's capturing all the coffee <laughs> below the table. So or like one one um, page that I really liked that was not coffee related, but was very sweet is there's like an anxious bunny rabbit who works at this cafe. And every time the anxious bunny rabbit shows up, I'm like, same. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a really sweet there's a really sweet page where it's just like the bunny in the rain getting upset that they're caught in the rain and then realizing that there are puddles that they can splash in now and then getting delighted splashing in the puddles and i'm like that's a really good like succinct no dialogue like six panel story progression showing how you're you can't control what's happening, but you can c- control your like response to what's happening around yeah. you. Yeah. So it's very cute, not plot heavy, short episodes. It's not my favorite art style because it's, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's a lot of very like basic shapes. Like the animals are all made of basically like a series of circles that have been like outlined into into animal shapes like if you Mm -hmm. look at it you would think yes this is a children's story just because of like the the simple nature of the art and like the colors aren't too wild there's no like crazy shading going on but uh like aside from it not being like my preferred type of art style it's very cute completely low stakes very sweet i i see why it would be like a good web comic but maybe not necessarily something that you would want to read all in one go in a collection because it's like 
so low stakes that there's like no reason to read it all in one go. Like the series, the collection that I started reading, I think is like 150 pages. And I was like, I'm not going to read 150 pages right now. I'm going to yeah. read like 10. <laughs> right. And then come back to it if I need like a brain break kind of thing. Right. It's one of those like coffee table books, right? Where like yeah. you pick it up, you kind of flip to whatever page you want. You get the one page story. You know, I think we've yeah. we've covered some of these on the show before, right? You could get this with like Fangs. You get this with the uh, the all of Sarah Anderson's work, right? Like just wonderful oh, yeah. comics, but like you're never going to read 300 pages of of Sarah's scribbles, right? There's just like I mean, I would, but <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but like nonetheless, like but you could just pick this up, flip to a random page, have a good time, put it down, whatever, yeah. right? That's I, I'm looking through this right now. I, I I found the website it is a web comic mm-hmm. um and uh yeah very cute but like i don't think i could read a hundred of these in a row right but four or five very fun yeah, very like cute while you're drinking coffee you yeah. you read your little comic book about the cat who's serving coffee yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's very adorable yeah um well let me let me talk a little bit about what i've been up to um i had to replace the part of the roof on my house this oh. past week oh, um which was super fun i'm just gonna say like that's like the greatest experience ever not really Hmm. and (laughs) i watched the treasure of the sierra madre which is like a a humphrey bogart movie from 1948 i heard someone talk about it on a podcast recently and i finished it last night i watched the majority of it and then i finished it last night um really good uh humphrey bogart wettest mouth in hollywood i said that in my letterbox review oh, okay it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> but if you've watched casablanca or you've watched any other movie he's in <laughs> i'm sorry i've killed renee um the movie is fantastic let me just be completely clear the movie's amazing if you've ever heard that joke i think it was in animaniacs and it's definitely in a bunch of other things of badges we don't need no stinking badges it's from that movie right great film from beginning to end it's all about paranoia and the gold rush of the of the 1800s a lot of fun and uh yeah but then i read i read a handful of comics honestly did not read as much as i could have or should have or would have um if only because again didn't have the mental energy this week it's been a very interesting time just in terms of working in tech so like i just haven't had any energy i've just been playing mario bowser's fury and uh watching the last of us and mandalorian you know just like trying to find some comfort in mushroom zombies and a little baby yoda so but i did sit down and read another joe or jim sparrow book if you remember last week i talked about cuckoo showed the book off on the live stream that we did and uh talked about all the geometric shapes and stuff it's a really cool book and so i read another book that joe sparrow jim sparrow did that came when i ordered my copy of cuckoo um, called homunculus and this is from Shortbox comics again it's another banger you should if you see the label Shortbox, just pick that comic book up you're probably gonna love it uh, it's fantastic stuff the story is about a robot slash living machine named daisy that's stuck in one place as it survives the end of the world um it's really short it's like 80 pages long but it's a very kind of like nice interesting thought experiment of a comic right the entire story is extremely creative in that it takes place in front of one spot this robot this this living consciousness inside of a machine i guess we'll describe it as that is stuck in one spot and on the cover of the book you see this like very large cube with a with a um hal 9000 style camera on the front of it stuck in one spot but the whole book is just from the robot's perspective the living consciousness is perspective so um you see them and this is kind of minor spoilers for the book but again the majority of the the book does not cover this but you see through their vision and interaction with the world with a trainer uh a neuro neurolinguist named veronica she teaches this robot 
how to learn, how to speak, how to take context, how to play chess, how to solve problems. And like one of their last interactions before the quote unquote world ends, I'll just leave it at that, is them like playing a game of Go. And Veronica saying, I don't think I can beat you. I think there's no way I'm going to ever beat you in any game we ever play again. And so you can see this thing is like hyper, like it's learning is exponential as they are only training for a couple of months together um, before the shift in the story happens. But in that time that they're together, we get this beautiful like nurturing of the consciousness done for the sake of the hope of the future. Veronica's goal is to create this hyper intelligence that can help mankind um, not be subservient to it, but be an assistant to it. Right. It's very funny that it's happening right now that I read this right now is like this huge AI boom is happening where we don't see all of these AI bots being created like chat GPT and Bard and whatever everybody else is working on um, as necessarily like overlords, but they are assistants, right? The goal of these artificial intelligence machines that we're talking to is to utilize them. Um, and I think that's kind of at the core of this story at the beginning. Um, and then a change happens and things get very interesting. I think it's a really smart perspective on how, consciousnesses that are not humans perceive time as well as how a single place can be many things at once again i'm trying to be very vague um because i want people to read this. this is a really cool comic um but yeah so if you want something that's really quick uh and it's very interesting it kind of kicks the dust off of some old tropes in sci-fi um and takes a really like i think a pretty smart take on things in the end um this is really fun it's homunculus by jim sparrow so uh yeah really cool really cool book and Sparrow's art is just beautiful. I think their work on uh, Cuckoo is actually more precise and much cleaner. But the work on Homunculus, a little bit bolder lines, but still that very interesting, very precise shaped design of everything that they do. So um, highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, you guys have any thoughts on robots or or AI or anything like that? (laughs) No, I'm just like, I guess I'm like, that sounds like a thing where I would want to sit down and and read it because I I like that you mentioned that it's sort of like a like a trope re-examination or trope deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's something that's interesting to me. I think I'm just like not super into like robots and AI right now because I'm like really embittered about like Chat GPT because I'm like no 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 my job is writing. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't take my job from me, robot. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So. I'm not at this exact moment being like, hell yeah, I want to talk about like actual artificial intelligence. And I, I'm just like bratty about people misusing those terms with talking about the current technology that we have where they're just like, it's AI. I'm like, actually, it's machine learning. Let me adjust my yeah, glasses yeah, yeah. on my face. It's a large <laughs> language model. It's not really actually <laughs> smart. You're putting feelings into this thing that don't actually exist. That is like, right. Right. we are not an AI podcast, but that's apparently what every fucking podcast on the internet is talking about so i might as well bring it up so you might as well uh, look at us we're trending well. uh, yeah finally <laughs> oh my god but um yeah yeah i don't know if that would be like top of my pile because of my feelings about all this right now but like totally yes conceptually awesome nice sure. Good pick. I, i'm not trying to force anybody to read comics i just was curious but um Let's let's move on. Now, let's talk about comics that are on the top of our pile, whether they're new, they're old, or just something you're trying to get off your shelf because you're like, God darn it, I need to read that. Uh, so, you know, Renee, tell me what's on the top of your pile. Let's let's kick it back over to you. Um, I have I went to comic book shop last week and I saw that they had some Dragon Ball volumes. So I grabbed them for my collection 
and nice. they do not get to actually join the other books until they're read. So, uh, cause that's the, that's the rule that I have. I don't, I don't put them in with the bin or the shelf with the other books until they've been read. And yeah, you can get imagine that. that my room is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I picked up Dragon Ball Volumes 13 through 16, a story yeah. by Akira Toriyama. And this is particularly the Demon King Piccolo arc. So, or it's about midway through. So it's Yo. after Piccolo's made his wish and he's basically kind of taking over the world. And Goku's like, this. I think this is like one of the, this is very early. Well, it's not very early. It's, it's we're in the we're in the later stages of Dragon Ball, but it's really cool because like for the er, very early parts of it, Goku was just like, I'm stronger than everybody. And mm-hmm. this was definitely like the beginning of that. Like, this is an overwhelming power. I need to do something to be able to to fix this. Right. So I really do like this arc. And I also really like the fight with P- King Piccolo. And so seeing that in the comic book store, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Going to grab this. And I do want to own all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, how many I don't know how cases? I feel about Super. How many uh, bookcases will that be? Dragon Ball's just, not that Just for long. Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, one. Yeah. Wait, really? Not, it won't even fill one. Oh, yeah. why did I think that that was a series that had like 300 issues or something? No, I think Dragon Ball has less. I think Dragon Ball's only got like 20 something and Dragon Ball Z I think only has 28. Oh, yeah, it's really like it's so funny how Im, how like impactful Dragon Ball is as a series, but it's really it's pretty short consider compared to other things like even like a Bleach, right? Which is a long series, but not as long as like Naruto, right? Yeah, and Dra- Dragon as- Ball has sixteen volumes. And Damn, I think yeah. Dragon Ball Z has twenty eight. Oh, that's yeah. super readable. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 And that, that, yeah, it, that's that's why I read all of it like two years ago. I was like, hell yeah, I've never read all of Dragon Ball. I was like, yeah, let's just do this. And like, it, it reads really fast. Like yeah. Akira Toriyama has a eye for action so that it almost feels like you're moving and like the way that the panels naturally like follow. It's a very quick read. So mm-hmm. I, I I really do like Dragon Ball. So we're really excited for the next time the three of us are on an episode where Kara has finished all of Dragon Ball. <laughs> so we can finally do a watch episode one of Dragon Ball. Watch the last two episodes of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were going to say Dragon Ball Super because like um, I, oh, I am no, reading no. Dragon Ball Super as well, um, which like they're right now they're doing following uh, Goten and Trunks during teenage antics, <laughs> which Dude, I actually really oh, I want to read that. I thought I was going to hate it. And then it turns out I love it a lot. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I for sure love it. I loved I loved the Great Saiyan back in the day, and mm-hmm. then like when I was a teenager and like I bought um that volume of Dragon Ball Z, I was like, "What Great Saiyan's so short in the manga? What?" <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so the other reason I I say that I was gonna hate that Trunks and Goten stuff is like Kara, just for some context, and maybe for the listeners at home who haven't read all of Dragon Ball Super, the last few arcs of Dragon Ball Super have just been like power creep, power creep, power creep, power creep. Yeah, that's to the point where like yeah. that's Dragon Ball. But yeah, yeah. um at this point where like Vegeta and Goku are like gods, and like okay. it's like, how do you go higher from here? And they found a way. So like I think as okay. a break, Toriyama was like, let's go back to like, let's just go back home. We'll go back to Earth. Okay. <laughs> we'll okay. see what everybody else is doing. You Wait, forgot this- to mention the best parts. They were on a planet called Serial, and there was a character named Granola. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, back to the very bl- oh yeah, and the enemies were called the heaters, and their name were gas, alack, and oil. Like Glorious. It's ridiculous. It's, it's like it's like in Sailor Moon where they have like all the all the generals are named after gemstones and 
Yeah. And like stuff like that. What was what was the one that was like uh that like kind of was starting to like come over to the good side, but then he like gets killed? Is that like uh does it start with a Z? On in Sailor Moon or in yeah, Dragon yeah. Ball? In, in Sailor Moon it's like Zwei or Okay. Yeah. Something. Something. Yeah, yeah. No, that Kara just like knew it too. Like I love it. So wait, so in in Dra- I've not been following the Dragon Ball stuff. I watched Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball when it was on Toonami and Cartoon Network. But um, okay, I did see recently like a visual of I think Goku with like blue hair. Is that part of this like God yeah, tier? Yeah, so that's, power? that's Super Saiyan Blue, which is like a stage. Super Saiyan God is like Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, so it's, so Super Saiyan God is is also different, and it's different from Super Saiyan Blue. And then there's also oh, like a couple okay. other things. They're learning from an angel now, and then also Vegeta's right. now learning from a god of destruction. There was a, yeah. a multiverse tournament type thing. There's also they've met like the ultimate deity being, and they also yeah. like somehow cloned him slash grabbed him from a parallel universe, so he has someone to hang out with. Sure, uh, mm-hmm. he really likes Goku. Uh, the also all the like godly angelic beings really love uh cheap ramen <laughs> yeah Fantastic. they love they love food from earth in general yeah. like really greasy like junk food uh anyways we'll give you a whole crash course uh maybe during the break but uh kara tell us what book you've been reading what's on the top of your pile i should say what is on the top of my pile well uh unfortunately this will be over by the time mo- pe- most people are listening to this episode but this weekend was the fanographics annual like two for one sale oh yeah so you spend like $50 and they give you a $50 credit after the sale to use on other stuff. So I really love Fantagraphics as a publisher. I don't buy from them all the time, but I consider them to be like a public service utility. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're doing the Lord's work of comic book publishing like, yes. and all their stuff yes. is like really nice. Obviously, I like them because they publish really beautiful, like archival versions of uh, older, like Disney comics and Peanuts and stuff like that. But they also have a lot of um, more modern stuff. They translate a lot of like French comic books. So, and everything that they publish is like again really beautifully done. Like I've got a bunch of the Disney hardcovers, and they're just I don't know, they're just like really satisfying to read and to hold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going through the sale and filling up my cart and then unfilling my cart because the sale is great, but not great enough where I can spend $500. (laughs) I had the same thing. Yeah. So I'm like filling up my cart, emptying it, filling it up, emptying it, like bookmarking things to get with my like sale credit that they'll send me at the end of the sale. And I came across a book that I didn't know existed called The Grand Odalisque. (laughs) Like I'm looking at the title and I'm like, I really just want to say Le Grand Odalisque. Like it's, it's what it is. It's a French painting, but they translated it from Le Grand Odalisque into the Grand Odalisque in English. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I'm like reading it with like a hokey American accent because they changed the le to the at the start of the title. And I'm like, y'all, that painting is iconic enough by itself. You do not need to translate the French the to an English the. Like, come on. Anyway, so. Just just by seeing like the cover of this book and the summary description, I was like, add to cart. I will be buying this. Mm-hmm. the The premise is three women are pulling an art heist to try to steal the painting. 
the, Hell yeah. the Canto de Disque. And so one of the one of the creators like won a prize at Angoulême a few years ago. So there's like this is like top tier French comic book talent and Fantagraphics published it in English and then there it's apparently part of a like a two book series and Fantagraphics has like a two book collection of that. So as soon as I get my sale credit, I will be treating myself to that. Usually I like to like read my books from the library first before buying them. But I'm re- I'm totally ready to buy this yeah. one sight unseen and just be like, yep, I trust you. Take my money. Thank you. <laughs> Sick. That's what's yeah, up. I, I get that. I get that. <laughs> well, for me this week, uh, I guess before I get into my picks, I should say, we've got some folks hanging out with us on Discord. They are wonderful, fantastic human beings. So we're going to shout out some of the books that they are reading uh, from the top of their pile. Danny is reading Batman, the Doom that came to Gotham. Paul G is reading the Complete ElfQuest Volume 1. Jeff is reading The Flash Volume 1 or Volume 5, he wasn't sure, uh, called Lightning Strikes Twice from 2016. CK is reading Love Everlasting. And Nick is reading Mr. Mammoth by Matt Kent and Jean Denis Pendant. Pedan? I'm just going to say that. I I, I I prepped myself to say that last name and then I just did, said it wrong. That's surname. Uh, anyway, so the book that I'm reading this week, or looking forward to, I should say, is Storm in the Brotherhood of Mutants number two. This is part of the Sins of Sinister X-Men event that's going on where Al Ewing, Cy Spurrier, and Kieran Gillen are just writing the craziest, ridiculous X-Men what-if storyline, and I'm loving it. Uh, this issue is written by Al Ewing, uh, art by Andrea DeVito, colors by Jim Carr. Carolampetus, I'm going to say that. Letters by Ariana Maher, and I mean, this event totally rules. The flash forward that we got from Im- Gillen's Immoral X-Men was super solid and refreshing that, like, reminds me that the X-Men can both be ridiculous and very cool and very fun. Both, I said the wrong word, but uh, Kieran Gillen manages to skate the line of, like, if you think this is, think about this too much, it's dumb, and this is well-written, so I'll forgive things that I normally would not like, um, like a master. And L. Ewing has taken this idea of Storm's Brotherhood of Mutants being these rebels in this sinister has taken over the universe type of universe that we're in and and just gone to the maximum with it. And I'm loving every minute of it. And yeah, Immortal X-Men was great last week. Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutant is going to be great this week. This flash forward by multiples of 10. Issue one was 10 years in the future. Issue two is 100 years in the future. And issue three is going to be a thousand years in the future. And I'm... I'm just here for it. I absolutely love it. X-Men are extremely extra and Gillen and Sysbury and Al Ewing have managed to take all of that and somehow bundle it into a very entertaining package. Cannot wait to buy this whole collection and put it on my shelf because I'm eating this stuff up. Totally <laughs> eating this stuff up. That's just that's just where I am with Hoxpox and the Sins of Sinister. So, yeah, having a good time. Mike, I have a question. Of course. Do we know what Mr. Sinister's like full name is? Yeah, Nathaniel Essex. I just I saw yeah. like uh, I think it was on on Twitter or something, and it was like Mr. Sinister was doing something to Spider Man. Spider Man's like, "Is Mr. Sinister your real last name? Like, is your name like Tim Sinister?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like Peter Parker asking the real questions. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me who my favorite Marvel superhero was, and I was like, first response, Spider Man. But I should clarify again with the gatekeeping. I was like, I should clarify. I haven't actually read Spider Man comics. I've just seen like. Right. Select panels of PD being a sweetie on Tumblr, <laughs> like back in the day, and like Tom Holland's interpretation of him on film. But like, yeah, yeah. PD, I love him so much. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about 
one of the most absurd topics that I think anyone has pitched for this show in a long time. Uh, and that is watch episode one of Riverdale, then watch the last two episodes of Riverdale. Of season six. <laughs> yeah, season six. So we're going to come back and talk about that. It's going to be a wild ride. For our show this week, we are talking about the first and final two episodes of Riverdale. I should say episode one and episode 116 to 117. That's the end of season six of Riverdale. Uh, it's a uh, Kara came to me at one point and said, I need to talk about this. I should say she threw that into a group chat and I said, what are you talking about? And she said, the end of Riverdale, we must do an episode. And I said, all right, let's do it. Me, you, Renee, let's let's make this happen. I didn't know what I was in for. I thought I understood where Riverdale went and it went somewhere else. So Kara, explain to I guess explain to the folks at home, maybe in more detail, why we are here today. <laughs> why why are we here today? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Riverdale, the TV show on the CW, is based off of the Archie comic books, which if you've been listening to the show on any of the episodes I've ever been on, you know that I love them. Um so with that in mind, I have been watching all of the TV show Riverdale. We're talking about this right now because they're about to start airing season seven, which is the last season. So oh, I thought, wait, wait hold, hold. Season six was not the end of the show. No. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. To- oh, my God. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. That okay. ending scene wasn't a clue that there's another okay. season. We'll get it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. It's not Karen, the end. Please. Okay. It's not the end. So okay. season seven is like happening now the last season of Riverdale this show has been going on for six seasons somehow I have watched all of it I cannot recommend watching it and yet (laughs) and yet here I am going to make you watch it and talk about it because so I started watching Riverdale because I could not believe that my wildest dreams had come true and like there was going to be content about Archie that I could make people who refuse to read comic books, like watch. Right. So this, and and you must recall that the first season of Riverdale came out around the time that Archie was like really starting to do their afterlife with Archie comic books and like Mm -hmm. kind of doubling down on the Archie horror concept and just introducing like a darker tone to their books or like still making their their core content that people think of when they think of Archie, where like the kids are forever teenagers and they're just going through their like high school hijinks together and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And then uh, kind of around the time Riverdale premiered, Archie Comics started doing more comics that were uh, like continuous serialized plot focused as opposed yeah. to like the one and done stories that they normally do. So okay. I... I blogged about Riverdale for the first three seasons and then stopped because after season like one, there is no relation to the comics whatsoever. Like they'll occasionally bring in like a character or a reference, but then do something totally different for them. So it's kind of like when I was like watching the Harry Potter movies as a Harry Potter book fan and started enjoying the films more when I was just like, you know what? This is just one interpretation. It's a new interpretation. They're making choices that are different from my understanding and experience of the books. And like, that's fine. But it's not like a, 
this watching this series is like reading an Archie comic. Right. So I do say for people who like are vaguely interested in watching, I'm like, watch season one and then skip ahead to like season five because that's where it gets good again. Because season one, like I can't <laughs> like just so again, spoilers for the entirety of Riverdale. But I also feel like either at this point you have seen all of Riverdale or you haven't and don't care. So it doesn't really matter. So welcome either way. So season one of Riverdale was like pretty tightly plotted, very succinct, like heavily based off the comics. You see the character dynamics right away. The comparison I saw all the time when season one was airing is like, oh, this is like Twin Peaks. It's so Lynchian. And now that I've actually seen Twin Peaks, I'm like, oh, they wanted to do Twin Peaks, but they're not David Lynch. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's CW drama is what yeah. it is, right? Like, so then season two, the overarching plot is about this like serial killer who's in Riverdale, like murdering people. Mm-hmm. And then season three is where they start playing like a Dungeons and Dragons type game that like their parents used to play when they were in high school. And it's like part of like a murder cult thing. And then season four is where, oh God, do I remember this right? Jughead goes off to like private school and is like meets all these random new characters that have no relation to the comics. And there's like more murder and there's no stakes for anything. So nothing matters. And then like season five is like a few episodes in. This was like early pandemic. So they had stopped filming. So the first few episodes of season five are like, oh, we're going to like graduate the kids from high school, but then we're doing a time jump because it's really apparent that our actors are in their late 20s at this point and we can't pretend that they're in high school anymore. So they just said like, okay, now we're like, now the characters are the same age as their actors and we're going to look at like what happened to them post-college. And a lot of people hated that, but I really liked it because I was like, guys, this show is so far, far off the rails. These kids have not been in class since like season two so let us just like veronica's been running a like mob ring like jughead's been like the leader of like the local gang like we Mm -hmm. we can just dispense with the high school mythos by this point anyway so (laughs) like we don't have to go there um so then (laughs) i thought for the purposes of this episode we would i would have you guys watch the pilot episode which i actually think is like a really really solid tv pilot it introduces the characters the stakes the plot like everything if you've been reading archie comics you like recognize all the characters they set up the betty veronica archie love triangle right away and then i said let's jump ahead to the end of season six because the i think I was like genuinely surprised watching the last two episodes of season six where they do like, and this was reconfirmed when I rewatched for the purposes of this show, you can literally skip the entirety of season six and just watch the last two episodes because the exposition is like constant. Like they are literally telling you everything that happened while still moving the plot forward. Mm -hmm. So in addition to these three episodes of Riverdale that we watched. I asked you to read two Archie comics from the 1950s because spoilers again, the last like minute and a half of season six is, and then we time traveled to 1955 and Jughead's the only one who remembers their life before. So I was like, great, we're going to read some Archie comics from the fifties and we're going to talk about 
what the hell we think they might be doing with the show for the last season. Oh, that was the reason? Yes. Oh. Okay, because I, st- I read the comics after watching it, and I was like, what does this have to do with anything I just watched? Well, that's, <laughs> that's also my point, because they're based off Archie comics, but as you can see at this point, totally divorced from the comics that people yeah. think of when yeah. they think of Archie. Anyways, I've been talking and explaining for a while. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, I think we should let's go in order here. Let's let's talk about our thoughts on episode one and then our summation of thoughts on the last two episodes. And then I think we can get into what you think season six or seven is going to be. Um, <clears throat> I I will say let's start with episode one. I I love this first episode. I forgot how good of a first so episode good. this was. And I remember being I, I it was flashback to watching this when it first premiered thinking this is going to be stupid but i will watch this for kara's sake right <laughs> and uh it, it, i'll be completely honest right like this is very early in comicsology i think you had talked to me a bunch about archie comics at some point and i was like let's try this out and then i loved it i was like oh man this has got like cw written all over it but like you said you understand every single character every single character's motivation, every single interaction. Like, and maybe that's just me coming in with a little bit of context of like Archie is kind of ingrained into my life as a person living in America to a certain extent. I've heard of Archie in some capacity before. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, I got everything and I was like, cool. And I remember that first season being pretty entertaining. And the only thing that frustrated me was that they were like 24 episode seasons, right? If, if it had been a succinct like 15, I probably would have stuck with Riverdale all the way to the end. Oh, 100%. They should have kept it at 13 episodes a season because yeah. that first season was like chef's kiss. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, Luke Perry, um, rest in peace, you know, was was fantastic. He's like so I love that I love that Molly Ringwald is is, is Archie's mom. Yes. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like there's like something that like scratches an itch that I didn't know that I had. Yeah, I had to that. pause at that spot. I was like, is that Molly Ringwald? Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this first episode is is perfect as far as I'm concerned, right? Like I still want Jughead's beanie. I love the fact like the interpersonal relationships that get established. Cheryl Blossom is the peak character I love ever. Her. I love the fact that uh i can't remember the actress's name but she plays that same exact character all the way at the end of season six it's literally watching these episodes back to back i'm like this character is exactly the same and i have to credit her for keeping the character consistent because i don't think archie feels the same i don't think veronica feels the same i don't mm-hmm. think betty feels the same madeline patch like understood the assignment and yeah keeps going she with totally it. did and i love that even with <laughs> And we'll get into it with all the magical powers and all this other shit. She's still she's like still Cheryl Blossom. Cheryl Blossom and yeah, I, yeah. I just love that. Um, she's amazing. I'm also deeply in love with her. I just will. Let's just throw that out there. In love with her. <laughs> no, 100%. Um, yeah. Strongly agree. Don't understand why Betty and Veronica kissed. Um, I don't understand that they were. I didn't realize and I totally forgot that they were sophomores in the first episode. Mm-hmm. I thought they were all seniors. No. Genuinely thought they were all seniors, which makes the Miss Grundy thing. Yep. The grossest thing in the Gross. universe. Terrible. The fact Gross. that she picked up a freshman kid with a six pack yep. and then they banged on 4th of July weekend. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we read the books from the 50s and I was like, oh, Miss Grundy's got one tooth and she just wears like a nighty to school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
So anyways, I, I don't know. Veronica had some wonderful lines in the first episode. I pretty much just love ev- the way that they established Veronica that I think the way that she's portrayed in the comic is kind of this just like very uh, like just mean kind of like uppity person. And in the show, she comes in with all of this. I, I'm from New York. I've got all these things, but she's friendly. She just wants to make friends with everybody. Be- and she gives this this speech to Betty about like, you know, I, I knew who I was in New York and I need to turn over a new league. I absolutely love love that to just establish this circle of friends of people um so yeah i love yep. this first episode i just i just love it to death for quick note before renee gives his opinions um veronica veronica um in the comics did go through like a few personality iterations because sure, sure. when she showed up or like originally she showed up as like the snooty rich girl that Archie yep. is like constantly running after because she's the like glamorous snooty rich girl. And as the decades went on and Betty and Veronica became like less like they're still rivals, but their friendship became more important. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the 80s, they brought in the character Cheryl Blossom to be the new rich bitch because Veronica was no longer the rich bitch. She was like, right, right like betty's best friend but also they were like sometimes frenemies where it came to archie which yeah why he's the most useless fuck boy but like fine (laughs) i mean in in riverdale i get it i guess to a certain extent but in the archie comics i absolutely don't understand it at all (laughs) (laughs) it's it's wish fulfillment by some nerds i don't know (laughs) um anyways the last thing i'll say is the best part of the episode is and the final episode right is that they're both narrated by jughead and i found that to be like almost poetic that like i because i thought the show was over and i was like they're ending the show with jughead narrating this is the best thing i've ever seen and then he just always narrates but he's just always narrating um good for cole sprouse i guess (laughs) um anyways yeah renee that that first episode renee what are your thoughts on that i i watched uh, the first episode and i was like this and i should preface that i have seen the first nine episodes of season one i watched them when they came out because i remember kara talking about it and i think i don't know he'll have to let me know i think brian was watching it at the same time and so i was like all right yeah let's let's go and i stopped at episode nine which is really funny because when i started watching episode one for this it was like do you want to continue on episode nine i was like oh oh no we're going back um (laughs) but i think this is this is classic peak cw like Freeform wishes it could be this. ABC Family wishes it could be this. This <laughs> is like, I was like, yeah, this is, they know exactly what they're doing. And I completely forgot about all these things in this. Like, I, I vaguely remember what kind of happened up to these, the, the, the episodes that I watched. I completely mm-hmm. forgot that Archie was all about music. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, all right, I wonder what happened to that. And then yeah. when we got to those later episodes, I was like, Apparently, we're not going to worry about it. Uh, <laughs> we got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, Archie's Archie's invulnerable and can't die. So, like, I was like, thing. also, this apparently someone's an angel, which just gets dropped at the. <laughs> and I was like, hold, hold on, we'll, hold on, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. But I was watching this. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is exactly what I thought this was. This is very much like reminds me of of uh, you know when I used to watch the WB and when. You know, the shows I did watch on the CW, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it feels very much in, in tune with that. Um, I for I'm <laughs> it was I was like, man, Archie is so not into Betty that it seems very mean. 
Yeah. And I was like, this is uncomfortable. But that's like, that's the early comic book day. And when I say early, I mean like early 1940s. Yeah. That was, was like the dynamic. The, uh, the, Betty the comics was like, you had us read, I was like, yeah, that same vibe. Very, yeah. Yeah, very much coming yeah. across. Like um, the Blossom Twins. I was like, I'm really worried about where this is going to go. Dude. Oh, okay. So again, that's when, that's when Archie Comics was publishing Afterlife with Archie and they fucking had a Blossom Twincest story yeah. beat in there. So when I saw the show, I was like, are they going there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She calls him, she calls her brother, her soulmate. And I was right. like, I was like, oh, I was like, I, that, that could mean other things. Uh, sure. I don't, I don't know where they're going to go with this. <laughs> Dude, the thing that got me was Josie and the Pussycats play a cover of some song and Cheryl says, this is the song my mother said my brother and I were conceived to. And I'm like, what? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh and my God. Coming from Cheryl Blossom, I'm like, I 100% believe that she doesn't find that weird. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And oh. But yeah, that was uh, like, I didn't have too many thoughts on episode one because again, I remember kind of a little bit about it and i was like yeah this is this yeah, yeah. is the stepping stone. this is the beginning this is the cornerstone of it makes perfect sense all right uh yeah fast forward six years where are we <laughs> oh, oh my god i need to i need to just read this because this, this is what i put in the notes for tell the me. episode tell me i put what are the 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 overall titles what am i watching and then i put this feels like playing the final stretch of an rpg but it feels like we used the cheat codes to skip everything we were just you know, catching carrots for pet rabbits. And now we're fighting God, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I genuinely felt like whiplash watching this. I started the episode thinking, it can't be that crazy, right? <laughs> and then Archie's got powers. There's like an evil demon lord a la Buffy who's living in town who wants to destroy Riverdale. And they're using the storyline to like split Riverdale into the north and south again, to which I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Pop's chocolate shop is still just running. <laughs> the, the fucking end of the world is coming and Pops is still like making burgers and serving shakes to people. They have the Holy Grail. Yes. <laughs> Cheryl Cheryl is Jean Grey. They have the Holy Grail. Archie can't die. Okay. It turns out that Cheryl has resurrected like nine people in the main yeah. cast. There's an angel in town who's dating Jughead who can now teleport slash create teleportation portals and read people's minds. Betty can see people's auras. Kara how did we get here <laughs> renee's description is perfectly apt because it's like you went from level one characters to level 50 characters without any explanation about how they got all these powers you guys okay it's the best show i've ever seen i think also, <laughs> like like episode one ends with them finding jason blossom's dead body and then literally episode 116 she he, she's, she's like he's he walks in with he's, he's just alive shoots someone with an arrow and then he gets set on fire and i was like that was a lot to take in in five minutes um, oh my gosh <laughs> I, I i wrote in my notes all of the descriptions of like all the characters we've got precogs we got a ghost train we've got superpowers dude this show <laughs> the, fucking the rules dog. that's all that i that's what i wrote the dog i forgot the, the dog, dog. Oh, that, starts, that starts like i thought he was eating archie and i was like this took a twist and then they were like he's like I'm totally fine. They're like, oh right, I forgot. I forget the name. The name of the dog. Bingo. B They're Bingo. Like, I forgot. Bingo has healing properties. I was like, <laughs> the dog has healing okay. properties. Okay. So, uh, okay, Kara. Okay. It doesn't really matter how we got Where here, right? The fact is that we got here, and I. The only real question I have is who is 
Percival Parcel, and why does he want to destroy Riverdale? Okay. Um, Isn't it Percival Pickens? It is Percival oh, per- Pickens. Oh, Pickens. So I wrote Parcel. This is, I, I would like to point out that this is all related to the reasons why I cannot recommend that people watch Riverdale because you come in at the end of season six and you're like, look at all this cool shit that's happening. But almost everything up until that point nothing matters there's like no stakes like the stakes of every like watching the show with weird shit like this happening felt really boring to me for long stretches because they would like do something in an episode and then everyone would get amnesia about it yeah forever so well they have like this non-stop deus ex machina in the whole story right where like anytime they need to fix something it's like we could freeze time we can go back in time. Okay. Well, this uh, is all we like t- <laughs> later development. So, so okay, okay, um, okay. a lot of people got turned off by the superhero thing where all of a sudden the characters had powers and like magic was involved and so forth. And I loved it because this is actually probably like seasons five and definitely six got w- way closer to the comics in that regard because in Archie <laughs> comics, weird shit happens all the time yeah and it doesn't matter at the end of the issue because they're just gonna like (sighs) drop the characters into another situation in a different issue Mm -hmm. so in the 60s in particular they were doing a lot of like they gave the kids superpowers but they were branding it under uh like they in those stories it was just the kids have superpowers in this story Mm -hmm. and they're not gonna have them in the next one like archie's name is pure heart the powerful and like they all have different superpowers and superhero costumes and i really love those stories so seeing them get superpowers in the show i'm like well yeah because in the comics they've had superpowers on and off so this is fine and so for people who like weren't expecting that i was just kind of like well yeah it was in the comics do you also want to hear about archie bc and like jughead (laughs) time police and like archie 3000 like they've done they've done everything so like that part's not weird to me And then um, Percival Pickens was like another comic book piece where I'm just like, okay, they're totally divorced from the comics at this point, but they pull in little nuggets like Percival Pickens is related to, I think, General Pickens, who is the namesake of Pickens Park, which is like a space in Riverdale that gets referenced often in the comic books. So mm-hmm. like them saying like, oh, Percival Pickens, I was like, oh, of Pickens Park fame. <laughs> so like that, <laughs> that was a, or like there's a scene where uh, in this in the episode where Archie and Veronica are in Percival's office and you can see behind them, there's like a portrait of General Pickens on the wall. And I, I see I really loved that. The, I mean, <laughs> the reasons he wants to destroy Riverdale are just like reasons it like doesn't matter it just matters that he wants to destroy it at this point basically what happened was uh mr lodge was the villain for the bulk of the series and then um left and like a a lot of the like parent actors have left the show by this point and so Mm -hmm. that was like when um when he left they were like okay like off screen we're just gonna have veronica murder her dad and now we need a new villain so why not this like dimension traveling warlock who wants to destroy everybody who sold his soul to mr cypher aka the devil like halfway through that episode i was just like who is percival is this supposed to be percival from like the knights of the round table and then when they said like at in the final fight 
against Percival, they were like, Percival, what the hell is his name? Pickens. Perkins? Pickens. Pickens. Percival Pickens. I was like, okay, so so probably not yeah. the night. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, um, this is this is such a wild, wild thing that happened. Like, you know, he they've got all these also, the fact that like Reggie stabs Archie a lot, like a yep. hundred times, they, like yep. like a lot, and then every he's, like, he's like, I don't know what came over me. He's like, Yeah, it's fine. I'm like, <laughs> Well, okay, so that's a really interesting moment. I actually thought it was funny that like they Percival, of course, is like has this this mind manipulation thing. So he turns everybody everybody who's with the other person against them, right? So like Jason goes to sh- kill Cheryl, and then Reggie goes to kill Archie, and Betty's old boss comes back from the dead and tries to kill her, yep. like. I thought that was really funny. Um, and like Betty also, ripping a chainsaw also, in the garage was yeah. so apparently Jason's the only one that they were like, nah, he should stay dead. Yeah, he should yeah. <laughs> Cheryl was like, I should have never brought him back, and right. that's the end of the conversation. They were like, I mean, No, he well, was okay, being controlled should, by someone else. Let me tell you though, Jason, there's like there's so many like weird stuff that happened during this show that was I was getting like flashbacks to when they were doing all all of this stuff, like I had like kind of forgotten that Cheryl had brought Jason back to life because for like a good season at one point, she just like dug up his corpse and kept him in her house, like rolling him around in a wheelchair and everyone was fine with this. Oh, yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl has a really interesting arc in that. Like she started dating a witch um, and then they go into this, like they have the secret witch magic and it's, a thing where they're like we're really good witches but we're not the best witches and then turns out she yells like a doll that is possessed by her the yeah, soul she, of her her an- ancestor or her something ancestor in in a parallel in the parallel dimension of rivervale Rivervale. her, her yeah. ancestor had like pos- they did like a bunch of like body possession things that they then like her ancestor ended up like trapped in the body of this doll that was like There was also something with, like, one of the dolls where, like, Cheryl and Jason had, like, another sibling whose spirit was trapped in a doll. And it was, like, this whole weird, like, doll horror shit that I was not about. So I've, like, blocked it out of my mind and and probably misdescribing it. When does the Phoenix Force come into play? Yeah, this was part of, like, all the kids getting superpowers, uh, which, again, I forget how it happened. I was just like, yes, they have superpowers now. Fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Cheryl, this was part of like Cheryl, re- the somehow realizing that like Cheryl had magic powers and like her family had a history of being witches and her powers manifested as fire. They called her the Phoenix or something. And she could, she could like bring people back from the dead. So that's where they got the whole like Phoenix thing from. Yeah. Um, that was just like the point where I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to accept everything that's happening and not ask questions. And that, that's what makes this episode so awesome because the fate of Riverdale is based on Jughead's ability to chance to go to another universe so that they can create a time paradox. <laughs> and I think that's the best solution that they could have come up with. And it's amazing. The best part of the entire episode, as far as I'm concerned, is when Percival goes into Jughead's brain and he's rifling through Jughead's office and he's pulling out Jughead's memories, which are comic books yes. with the big Jughead title and he's ripping them up and as he rips them they flash to a scene of the show genius yeah genius yet yeah. level storytelling for a, a TV show based around Archie comics I I was so I was so enamored with that moment Kelly was like do you want me to stop the show 
As I was just like, this is so cool. This is so cool. I just was, I was screaming this at my TV. Um, so I loved it. It was awesome. When Percival wakes up in the booth and he's just covered in blood, I was like, I was like, okay, they do that. I was like, why don't you? I was like, unfortunately, I'm going to say this out loud. I've thought about it since I watched this episode. And I was like, am I really going to say this on the podcast? Yes, I am. Why don't they Naruto that shit and just cut his head off? You know? Right. Well, because he's in, he's, he's invulnerable. They can't. They said he. They only. They had, said he's immortal, not invulnerable. Well, he only, well he, but he couldn't die except for that special knife no, that they had. But that he'll, also and he'll, yeah, but then he could still cut off his head, rip out his tongue, rip out his eyes, and bury them in separate spots. Renee, sure. but then they couldn't have. They couldn't take him back in time to the 1500s when he first made his pact with the devil and have mm-hmm. the devil just snatch his soul because I guess that's true. they could give him they could give him to the devil in bags yeah <laughs> well so so Percival's last act in that episode is he changes this comet bailey's comet which i love uh to to instead of fly over the earth to come at the earth right and so in the next episode they spend the entire time basically prepping everyone to die until they come up with a deus ex machina solution of like what if cheryl could fix it but she needs to get the answers from her ancestor and the only way to do that is if her and her friend tabitha have sex (laughs) okay so cheryl and tony are like the best that they were together for like multiple seasons. Like they are the Riverdale power couple and they, okay. um, I, is it Tabitha or Tony? Maybe I think, I got, I think, I think oh, Tabitha I is the Tab- angel. Tabitha is the angel. Okay. I got names mixed up. My bad. Is that, okay, is that so correct? Kara? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's Tabitha Tate pop Tate's granddaughter. Right. Okay. Right. Who is also an angel, but we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get and to with that. Jughead. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 So, uh, yeah, for it, that was basically like, for reasons, Cheryl and Tony have to have sex. But it's not Cheryl and Tony. It's their ancestors, it's their ancestors. possessing their bodies. But uh, Yeah, uh, which was like a whole, like, I don't know why this is happening, but I guess this is the CW. Like, this is as close <laughs> as they could get to competing with HBO. I mean, that's, um, that's like the fan service because Choney's one of the, like, favorite fan, like, ships. Uh, that's that's still going okay and there's been a lot of like cheryl pining after tony but tony has decided that she's gonna like stay with fangs who's the father of her child and like she and fangs and kevin were in a thruple for a while but then kevin was like i'm gonna take custody of our son and that was baby anthony who got aged up in a time bubble to be 22 and be able to fight percival right aged up into like a mismatched chocolate chip like cookie (laughs) version of the of fangs like it was weird because it's like he looks similar to him but like all of the features are in different places (laughs) dear dear listeners if you are keeping track of this congratulations because i am not and I watched I watched this these two episodes. I I literally I still have no idea what happened. I have no idea who Anthony is. Um I was they were like what the Percival's son of Fangs like, and Tony. I don't know who he's, he's those people are. Fangs and Tony are the heads of the serpents who are the local what is that? gang. <laughs> the local gang. They're the local gang, Renee. Of in Riverdale. Come yeah. on. You watched nine episodes of season one. Yeah, the, the, like the serpents. Six years ago. Okay, okay. 
anyway, so we're really sorry, everyone at home, but if you got to just watch these. Literally do what we did. Watch these three yeah. episodes, and you'll have as much context as we do. Um, Honestly, that's what I would recommend. I'm like, if you're not going to do seasons one and seasons five and six, like just do episode one, episodes 116, 117, yeah. and start watching. Also, apparently Archie and Betty are in love at this point, which I did not get yeah. until like the very end of the episode. I was like, wait. Wait, I was fine really? with it. I, I, was I, was like, I had, I had no, I just didn't know that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, like, so what which, happened which, was like comes back to in the first episode when Kevin says they're not together, but they're end. They're end game. So they're end so game. <laughs> they season one did a lot of like the Archie Betty Veronica love triangle thing, but that's when it became like super apparent that um the actors who played Betty and Jughead had like bonkers chemistry, and so then the next like couple seasons. Like they were dating and the love tri- triangle thing like was not a thing. And then when they did the time jump thing later, they were like, oh, I guess we can have Betty and Archie date. And they did a whole thing where like Archie's like the pure hearted good guy and Betty's like upset at the darkness within because her like she has the serial killer gene and she's terrible <laughs> and she doesn't deserve good things. And yeah. Like that yeah. Whole bit, so, but yeah, they do not have chemistry and it's super apparent, but they're just like, this is what we're doing now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Cause I, that's what I thought too. I was like, oh, they're together. They, they have no chemistry whatsoever. No chemistry was, whatsoever. Like, yeah. Okay. But maybe that's just me and I can't read no, people. No, no chemistry. Okay. So I guess like to move things along here. For right? the, la- the last episode of season six. I was like, did, did we bring up the musical number? No, no we're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. So Molly Ringwald shows up. They find out that Percival has like put this invisible dome around Riverdale that no one can leave, but people can enter fine. <laughs> Archie's they big co- plan is to hit it with a tire iron. <laughs> I love it. I lo- Archie takes a baseball bat. Let's be real. He takes a baseball bat to this force field until his mom shows up and says like, Archie, sometimes we're just going to die. And he's like, What? <laughs> And then they find out that Cheryl can stop this thing. Um, I want to just say I had a couple more notes okay. that were just making my brain melt. That's all I can say. Like anytime something dramatic happened in the show, they literally put a doom sound effect into the show. <laughs> and I, I thought the first time my brain was playing tricks on me. And then it happened like four times in the final episode. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. Amazing. Um, it becomes a musical, which we'll get to that. But then the other thing is Archie goes with a baseball bat to break down the barrier. It and was he a says, magical mace, but yes. Oh, magical mace. I'm sorry. You're right. He says, I'm going to break through that barrier, dot, 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 so I can marry you, Betty Cooper, which I thought was like, that's that's the way Archie loves, I guess. That's <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Man, this is so wild. The, and uh, the Jughead and Tabitha date where yeah. they like relive an entire life. I was like, why would you do that? What if you survive? I cried. <laughs> I actually did cry during yeah. that montage. And I was she, like, what is wrong with me? She takes a... So for those at home who didn't watch the episode, she takes a minute of the time that they have left. And she has Jughead and Tabitha. Tabitha, this guardian angel who is that sent to protect all of Riverdale, who's Pops's granddaughter, who for some like poor Pops, he just is kind of there the entire just show. Kind of there, he's just kind of there. Yep. But anyways, she says for one minute we're gonna live like an entire lifetime together. So we see them like grow old and have children, all at Pops. Yep, <laughs> it's so wild. Um, anyways, that's all yeah. that I had as far as like major notes. But I just thought the <laughs> I actually really liked that scene. I didn't I didn't cry, but I was great. like I was like that's good. Yeah, I was like it's, I like yeah. the way that they did that. It's, I was like. It's a little stupid, but it's also very sweet. And I was like, that's and I great. think we're we're really towing that line, and that's what makes this work. Right. Anyway, so then we're getting rid of our superpowers because in order for last episode of season six, in order for Cheryl to like 
use her phoenix powers to melt the comet because they're like, comets are made of ice. Cheryl has fire powers. Cheryl can use her fire powers to melt the ice. And someone literally says, like, that's like too simple and too brilliant. (laughs) It's like, well, yeah, but she's got fire powers so she could do it. So it's like, but if she does it, somebody who has she is resurrected and we find out she's resurrected resurrected fucking everybody. (laughs) Almost half the cast from death, including Archie and Jughead. (laughs) Um, she's like but if I use up too much of my powers some or all of you may die it's like what (laughs) when they started listing off characters and we got past four I was like oh my god it's so amazing she's like Betty Betty's mom and Archie and Jughead and Kevin that's why I recommend the later seasons because the earlier seasons they like never do callbacks to that shit you just forget that weird things happen but in season like five and six they actually start doing callbacks to earlier things and like establishing that the rules of the universe actually have rules and mm-hmm. that was one of those moments where you're just like thank you this show finally realizes that it's absurd and it's owning yeah. it that was also very jarring because like we watched the first episode and like betty's mom is so not likable and like betty and her are just at odds and then yeah. she's got her head cut off she's decapitated in a coffin <laughs> and, betty's and, then like, resurrected. and betty's like all torn up about it and she's like i don't want you to die again mom I was like hold yeah. on oh, no. like we missed something <laughs> <sighs> so, so okay so they realize so veronica has like a moment of epiphany where she realizes that her biodialysis powers that make her like poisonous can also mean that she can extract the powers from her friends Mm -hmm. using their blood and transmit those powers to cheryl blossom via kissing (laughs) via kissing because (laughs) via a kiss because because why what was cheryl's reasoning (laughs) kara i i think that it was they were trying to do uh sleeping beauty snow white kind of thing where a kiss bestows life but what sure. they were really doing was queer baiting which they referenced but then said but it's not queer baiting because it's saving the world and i'm like guys it's still queer baiting because yeah. i like, i lost my mind at that moment when veronica turns around and like deadpan looks at the camera and says it's not queer baiting we're saving the world and i was like <laughs> The writers, uh, by the way, these episodes are written atrociously. I just want to shout that out. Like some of the lines of dialogue are just insanely bad because they have, they're like, what could be said with five words? We're going to say with 15 in order to make sure that you understand the context of like things. It's, I'm like, if I'd been watching the whole time, I felt like I would have been insulted. But having not watched any of the episodes, it was great. That's why I was watching it. I was like, we're going to watch these because they give you exposition the entire time. (laughs) You know who everybody relevant Uh, is and what their like deal is. I I, I guess I'm being a bit harsh about the poorly written. It's not poorly written. It's just like, I was like, why are some of these things written this way? I just didn't understand it. No, it's it's very not good. (laughs) She literally said, because they're like, oh, why can't you just do the same blood thing? with cheryl she's like uh because i'm not gonna get cut or the i can't even oh, remember yeah. the way that she says it cheryl refuses to cut her beautiful alabaster porcelain palm. skin or alabaster yeah it's <laughs> which like deeply in character thank you cheryl right. it is it's totally true anyway so so she stops the comment right and we get this <laughs> insane shot of cheryl like with the face and she's very intense there's, i was like wow there's like, a Britain's. song going on the entire time all oh, right oh, they sing oh, right. okay so context <laughs> Yeah, there have been there's been at least one episode a season of Riverdale where it's just this is a musical episode and they take a musical and they have the characters like sing the songs from the musical to tell the story of the episode that you're watching. 
And basically it's because the showrunner like did an unauthorized Archie based like off off Broadway musical and Archie sued him. And then later they were like, hey, do you want to run Riverdale for us? (laughs) So this person like loves musicals. And so he was like, I'm a showrunner. So I'm just going to like make musical episodes where the characters sing. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's fine. And so, um, but like in the later seasons, instead of being like, here's an episode where we're taking music from one show and doing that, there would just be like a song randomly in the middle of a random episode. And you're just like, wait, what? So I actually forgot that they sang in one of these, but it turned out to be perfect because I'm like, yes, you should get the full Riverdale experience. Sometimes they just sing. Yeah. That was it took me so by surprise. And then I was like, you know what? What what how can I be surprised? How there's no such thing as surprise anymore with this show. <laughs> um and so yeah, the show I, I just we have so to get to the end. I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts. I need to talk about the end of this episode yeah, so, because so I go ahead, Renee. I was like, when the musical part started happening and like it, it was Cheryl's last like she's belting out that that final bit and destroying yeah. the comment. I literally said out loud, Smallville and Supernatural could never. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and that was my final thought on, on the whole shebang. I was like, I, yeah. Dude, no, so, no. It's, I, at the end of this episode, go ahead, Kara, go ahead. So because all the powers were combined for this, like, blast of fire to melt the comet, and then you cut to commercial break. So you come back from the commercial and you're like, are they dead? Are they alive? And that's when Jughead's like, anyways, that's how we ended up back in 1955. But I'm the only one who remembers. And Dude, that's like <laughs> the line that Jughead uses to open up is, so what happened next? Like, is this question? And I started freaking out because <laughs> I was like, I thought genuinely thought this was the last episode of the show. No. And if and I thought it would have been perfect if they just ended the show with a Archie reboots itself naturally like this reoccurring cycle of story. Everything gets insane and then all of a sudden just like the comics they're back in 1958 or whatever, right? Like it would have been a perfect ending as far as I'm concerned. It would concerned. have been a perfect ending, but that's not what they're doing. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was it's so smart and I I my notes are just like oh my god oh please end this show with Jughead's narration please oh my god does this show end with a reboot of the whole story Kara please please this is the best television show on earth ever forever I was I was so I was so pleased with the end Kelly and I talked about it for like 15 minutes because she watched the end and she was like is that it? And I was like, I think so. No, no. Got a whole nother season to go. <laughs> Damn it. But now am I invested? Am I coming back for season seven? You got to watch season seven I, because I think it's just you might. Like, I saw. All right. So I have been like so dying over the visuals from season seven because I follow like all the main actors on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they keep posting pictures of themselves like in their costumes and their makeup and their like 50s retro looks and everything's immaculate. I'm so excited. The trailer dropped a couple weeks ago and it's all like it's the 50s. So all the gay relationships like are happening. We're just going to go back to like secret pining and secret tryst. And I'm like, honestly, 10 out of 10. No notes. Let's go. So, like, you know, OK, Um. so I am now that now that we're we have established that there's a whole nother season and I've made you read some random 50s Archie comic books. Um, mm-hmm. how are, how are we going to get the gang back together and remember our life before, or are we going to stay in the fifties and everything's Archie? 
Um, I think it's I just going to be Pleasantville. What, like, what is like the movie? Yeah. Well, for people who haven't seen Pleasantville, what does that mean, Renee? I mean, in the Pleasantville movie, these the this brother and sister get trapped in a 1950s TV show, and they bring modern ideas into it, and like it goes from being black and white to in color, and they sort of learn about like themselves as well as like the other people in the town, and it's all kind of positive. So I think it's just going to be a lot of that, except maybe without the black and white or sepia tones. It's just going to be a lot of self-discovery and, and you know, bring it back. And maybe they get back to the future. Maybe they don't. I've realized that there's no point in making speculation because I don't know anything about the show. There wasn't it. They have the Holy Grail and a dog that heals wounds. So I, 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 I think no that idea. I think they spend this season reestablishing the norm like of like reset. They've reset everything back to zero. Jughead clearly needs to either exit stage left at the end or they somehow revert back. But like nobody, maybe nobody has powers. Maybe they go back to Riverdale that should have been before all of the crazy stuff and like everything settled back to normal or they leave it a cliffhanger for like Archie is never over. You know, like it's just a it's just a thing that just perpetually happens I don't know. forever. It just leads back into a reboot and there's just a new cast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, wait, wait. It's so it's an overdub of the actors. So it's the same so, voices, but different faces. So tell me tell me about the comics. I had you read Archie number 74 and Archie number eight uh, ninety-three, yeah. which were two titles from the fifties that were like I just I found them on Hoopla. They're available digitally. Um in various digital comic places. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, as I've said many times, Archie generally is a comic book uh, company where you can read any book and it doesn't matter because there's no like continuity, especially in the earlier stuff. There's absolutely no continuity. It's literally yeah. just you read your 10 page story and then you're done. So these like random comics from the fifties, I was like, okay, cool. So let's see like the characters in the time because when people mostly think about the Archie comics they're thinking of the 50s 60s sometimes 70s Archie Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. aesthetic and tropes and things going on so now that you now that you've read a couple of those comics like what did you think of them obviously they have nothing to do with the show but like (laughs) I I found them so I've read a a whole like collection of Charlie Brown comics like a little while ago right Mm -hmm. Um, it felt reminded me a lot of Charlie Brown in some ways. Not not that it's like the same story, but like it's like a couple of pages or just like nine panels to get to a joke. And <laughs> I kind of love that. Like it, it it feels like a webcomic, right? It feels like it feels like a strip comic. You know, there's I like that the the comic book itself contained like a bunch of long stories and short stories, like five page stories and like two page or two comics on one page or something with an mm-hmm. ad in the middle. I like the the vibe of it in terms of just like being simple. And obviously it's from a different time. It's from like a different like everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some of the stuff is kind of just like, oh yeah, you have to like readjust your 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 dials in order to kind of get where the story is taking place. Um, but it was it was enjoyable, right? Like I could see myself sitting down with an Archie digest and reading a hundred of these and just like having a good time one day. Cause some of them are funny, some of them are kind of weird. Um, you know, like the constant, oh, Moose is going to literally put you in the hospital if you look at his girlfriend. Uh and is, then in the show, they're like, he's He's like a closet gay on the football yeah. team and yeah. he's making out with Kevin down by the river. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fun. I, I I don't know. I I of course enjoy all the bits with Jughead, but that's just me, you know. Um yeah, I don't know. Renee, what did you think? 
Well, I, so I've read Archie since I was a kid, and like any every time okay. I go to the grocery store, I always try to see if they have Archie comics like in the line, and I am devastated when they do not. Um, and also, anytime I go to like a, a bookstore or a comic book shop, if they have Archie, I will you know peruse it. So I think mm-hmm. what what you were saying, Mike, like you can absolutely just sit there and rifle through it, and it's a good time. And that's how I felt. That's how I felt about Archie. That's why Archie will always have a special place in my heart. So reading through um, these books that uh, Kara suggested, I was like, "Yeah, this is a, this is a very nice and pleasant time." Um, yeah. And, and my favorite. I took. Yeah. Some some of them are are are, are like kind of stupid jokes, but some of them I'm like, yeah, I had a good time. My my favorite two stories from these two comics that we read are uh the one where archie and reggie are trying to break into the local movie theater without paying and so it's just like various versions of them trying to and i love that because i think everyone's like oh yeah archie's so wholesome i'm like no he's kind of a scamp like it depends on the issue but in this one he and reggie are just like i'm not paying to go see the cinema i'm just gonna and so when they finally do like break in they're like sniggering they're so pleased with themselves and then you see like cops walking by outside and they're like oh yeah we've like locked up that building it's slated for demolition and that's the end of the issue and you're like wait mm-hmm. <laughs> do they get out <laughs> like, yeah happens? i the the bit that i liked out of this i, I screenshot it, i sent it to nick while i was reading it and it was like jughead in pound foolish and jughead <laughs> buys a pound cake he eats it and then he weighs himself and then he goes back to the bakery and he changes it from one pound cake to three quarters pound cake. <laughs> I like the, so uh, stupid. The, also... the rubber hot dog one, and then Jug- Jughead eats all the <laughs> fake hot dogs, and then he's very light on his feet for the dance. <laughs> Again, it's all just like pretty innocent jokes, right? Like I, I, innocent on the whole, right? Like I guess breaking into a movie theater or trying to you know do that is maybe not so innocent, but like really like simple not too complex just like bits that are very clear to the reader you could read it if you're seven you could read it if you're 50 and you kind of get the gist of everything right i really liked the story where uh archie comes back from vacation in the south dressed like colonel sanders and speaking with a bad southern accent and the girls are like swooning over this so then all the other boys start speaking in a southern accent (laughs) that's amazing amazing i like the 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 one where um Reggie and Betty are trying to make Archie look uh, hopeless so that Veronica will dump him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Specifically oiling his shoes in class so that he can't stand. I was like, that's ridiculous. But also, right. like, that I'm apparently into that. <laughs> I think that's very funny. Yeah. Well, all we're saying is that I hope that all of these bits and, and jokes show up in the Riverdale series um, for this new season um, because it would just be perfectly on brand, right? I mean, they're just they're clearly pulling at least from the aesthetic. So it'll be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how they pull like the aesthetic from the 50s Archie comics into the like anything goes universe that they've established with Riverdale. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I think you should try watching season seven. <laughs> I'm at least going to try the first episode, I think, Kara. So we will maybe have to do a revisited season seven later (laughs) down the line or something. We'll see. But um, I guess to wrap things up, we're going to wrap things up because this episode is going way too long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Renee, I also hope that you watch season seven. But I guess for for now, 
last thoughts about Archie and Riverdale. I guess, Renee, I'll give you like two seconds. What do you got? Um, I My only thought was I literally have no idea what the CW is going to follow with as a show mm-hmm. once Riverdale ends. I'm like, the sky is the limit. You have to – how can you outdo the insanity that is this show? Mm-hmm. And I was like – my first thought was, I was like, basically they should just try to create the Wicked and Divine, honestly. Uh, uh, I think that's that's in production somewhere else. I wouldn't want CW to, to mess that up. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, but Kara, I thank you so much for bringing this to us. I had a blast watching these episodes. Uh, it was really fun to read those Archie comics. So I have um, I have a closing thanks for note. Out there. Oh, yeah, please, yeah. please, please, please. I have a closing note. Um, totally unrelated to everything we just talked about. One of my favorite like non stakes moments in the history of Riverdale, the TV show was the time that they brought in Chad Michael Murray as a cult leader and Betty's mom and sister like ended up in the cult. And that arc ended with Chad Michael Murray, like dressed in like an evil Knievel outfit, trying to fly a rocket ship off the roof of a building to escape the town. (laughs) And they never talked about it again. Perfect. (laughs) You know, I think that might have been the conversation in the group chat that got us started about this episode. We were like, <laughs> maybe what? Maybe. <laughs> so check out Riverdale, but I don't think you should have good expectations. Right, right, right. It. Don't go in with a high bar. Um, well, yeah. Thank you again for putting this together, Kara. This was this is an absolute blast. And I, I for those of you that are, that support us on Patreon at the five dollar tier, you're getting a whole lot of notes for this episode. I'll just say that <laughs> live reactions of from me and a little bit from Renee and from Kara as well. So um, next week on the show it's going to be me t and nick we're going to be talking about comics just hanging out going to do a little bit of a chill episode uh at 3 p.m on sunday so make sure you join us live on discord um as always you can follow us on instagram and twitter and tiktok join our discord to hang out with us live when we record these episodes get yourself a shout out on the episode when we do top bar pile um you can always join our goodreads for our goodies reading challenge plus a lot of really cool conversations over there we've got a youtube channel where danny's been running some really cool like shorts and stuff clips from all of our episodes whenever we get them you can support us on patreon to get access to all of our exclusive patreon series like a better batmobile which is starting up i think the new episode actually went out today march 26th is the day we're recording so you can get season two of that plus a backlog of almost 100 episodes of exclusive patreon only content infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander is the creaking in the floorboard in the night do not be afraid he's here to protect you until next time uh, i guess i want to say thank you to kara and uh, renee for this episode thank you to everyone on discord for hanging out with us thank you to brian for proof listening and until next time comics are good and so are you Good.